Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and we've got another great show for you. Hosting this show with me is my good buddy Dustin. Dustin, you look halfway respectable today. What's going on? Uh, every now and then, you, you got to look nice. You got to wake up, and you can't just be like scary to the world, right? Fair enough. So you're like clean shaven. You've got the combed hair. You're looking good, my friend. It's very, very disturbing. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it really is. <laughs> also on the air with us is our producer and MTG Yellow Belt, Cameron. Cameron, how are you, sir? Nice. Good, man. How about you? Dude, I'm fantastic. We've got, again, a lot to talk about this week. So I want to just, um, first of all, throw it to you, Cameron, because I've got uh, a lot to talk about in terms of my PTQ. Uh, but I know you played some this weekend as well. Yeah, so I played uh, Standard, and I suited up a new deck this week. It was a Naya Aggro that had pretty much everything that you've been seeing that was kind of like big for block, and then you add some of the Return to Ravnica block as well to that. Uh, but it's a good deck. It, I mean, there's nothing that I don't like about it. It's it's just fine. Um, and I went 2-2 two and two, uh, this past Friday, and I just... Wanted to no draws, to your, no no draws. That's wow. number one. Ooh, yeah, but but uh, my first matchup, I, I, I'm going to say I actually went one and two because, guys, I I crushed an eight year old. Like this time, it really actually happened. <laughs> awesome. You should do that more often. Oh, I so most of the so time they're like nine or ten, right? Now you feel yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I felt so dirty. <laughs> the kid was running like like his entire. Point. The entire purpose behind his deck was the Chromanta Core. <laughs> wow. And I just, it was just, no, not even fair. I mean, See, it I, was. I just, I, I picture you being that guy that, like, you're playing against this eight year old and he keeps making play mistakes and you're like, no, you already tapped it. No, you can't take that back. No, you can't do this. It'd be just awesome, right? No, he becomes it was a actually, different person. Exactly. Uh, honestly completely the opposite i mean like (laughs) it's not like i'm humoring him but i am trying to like you know treat him seriously in that respect right right Uh, but i just thought it was more than anything it was just funny that we joke that i i crush eight-year-olds and then it actually happens right uh for my first did you did you rip up his chromanicore in front of him like (laughs) (laughs) i should have done that (laughs) no wrong no uh, so did, did he ever actually get it into play? Did Chromanticore do his thing? No, the Chromanticore never saw play. He had a lot of guild gates in there as well. You know, he, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a brew, and there's something respectable about that. But I mean, I'm playing against like what is like becoming a top tier deck. I mean, it's it's ra- rising in the ranks, and mm-hmm. who knows mm-hmm. what will happen. But um, yeah, so that 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 was probably the most interesting thing. Uh, the other thing is just. Uh, the next three, I'm not kidding you, the next three that I played were Jun Monsters, uh, or like variations of Jun Monsters. Right. Uh, and it's a very good deck. I, I mean, really good deck. It has so much going for it, um, where I went the white version, maybe I should have went with black, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wanted your guys' opinions on, is it kind of like the flavor of the week right now, or is it something that you think will have lasting power throughout the summer. So um, I, that's the deck I've been playing. I moved off of Blue-White Control to play Jund Monsters. 
I played Green Red for a while, and, and uh, my Gen Monsters brew is a little bit different than what's floating around on the internet, just based upon my local meta. Um, I think it's the best deck in Standard right now, um, but... The other but thing... Can't, well, hang on. The other thing is, a majority of Jun monsters is staying after rotation. Yeah, correct. So you have a you're going to see this a lot. Yeah, or some some Stormbreath Dragon, Sylvan Caryatid, Polychronos, mm-hmm. those cards, which I assume are the cards you're talking about, right, Cameron? Yep, those are all what I'm talking about. But I will say this, you know, you have to. Man, this is so hard to explain, but you what players often don't do is consider their shop's meta. Now, I played a smaller shop, so it's much easier for me to gauge. But one of the most important things you need to do is decouple the Star City circuit from what you're brewing week to week. Sure. Okay? And, yeah, you know, you might have players that play those top-tier decks, but I'd say if everybody's showing up with Jun Monsters, it's probably a good idea for you to play Naya Midrange. Um, just because you have some answers to what they're doing. I don't know the matchup off the top of my head. I haven't played it yet. But there mm-hmm. are some very problematic cards that you could play in a Naya Midrange <clears throat> deck. Um, I don't know your list, but Cameron, I'm trying to go through a little bit more of an effort to post my deck list on our Twitter feed. So why don't you do that as well? Yeah, and you can get some yeah, I can do that. Sweet feedback from our audience. Sweet. I will do that. Well, I should, mm-hmm. I should be a good host and say we're at SpikeFeedMTG on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you want to get a hold of Dustin, you can find out at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so you played Jun Monsters three times, and then three what? times, uh, and then I I dropped after that. Um, listings were posted, and I knew that I wasn't going to be in the top eight to get prize packs, so I just dropped after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other most interesting thing was that um, that evening, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, but conspiracy. Uh, released on that Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, for for the draft night because there's always like standard or modern going on, did and then play? there's always a draft. No, no, I did <sighs> not. I specific. I mean, like I called Curtis on Friday, and I was like, I, I'm at like this at odds because I have an untested Naya deck that I really want to play, and it's more my speed and everything else, or play Conspiracy. And had I played Conspiracy, I would have been playing with close to 70 other people who were drafting <laughs> that night for Conspiracy. <laughs> you could have been Dustin, number one. Yeah. By my game three, or match three in uh, the standard event, mm-hmm. we're talking that they had just started the first match for that and they start a half hour early right it's probably because people have to get out their pen and paper and write down what they're drafting for the conspiracy cards and all these you know keeping track of all that and i've come to the conclusion that that conspiracy i i'm not going to judge it i haven't played it yet i haven't invited to go to a guy's house who does like stuff at the friday night magic stuff but he Mm -hmm. he bought like a box of conspiracy uh and so i get to go and just play the cards i don't have to buy into it or anything like that so there's something nice about that but i feel like in that context it's so much better where i know the group of seven other players i'm going to be playing against and it's more of like a friendly atmosphere where you can kind of take your time but putting that in like a friday night magic context and like this competitive scene was a nightmare and i am so glad that i did (laughs) not play on friday night it's understandable yeah, I um, 
I, I come to that conclusion too that you know conspiracy is way more like a game of Carcassonne or something like that or Settlers yeah. of Catan, something you want to do with your buddies. That I mean, look, look at the name of the show. It's just not for us. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that we're looking to do. Um, but we'll we'll talk about conspiracy a little bit more later. However, you abstained from playing, huh? Yeah, yeah. So um, they're interesting cards <clears throat> and. I'm hoping it will maybe bring down the price of some of those cards, and that's what we'll probably talk about later. So, yeah. Anyway, that was my Friday night. It was good. <laughs> well, sweet. Sweet. So, Saturday, I went to a PTQ. Uh, I had invi- invited Dustin to go with me to trade, but it's a good thing you did not go, my friend, because there was not <laughs> a lot of trading going on. Really? Um that's you probably would have dealt with the same three guys the whole time. I was told uh, uh, a lot of people here in town kept saying they were going to go, and there's just, I don't know, they expected there to be a good turnout. So there was. There was 155 players, I think. Okay. But most of the people were, you know, very spiky. I mean, it's a PTQ, right? You're trying to qualify for the Pro Tour. Right, so right. Th- so a lot of people showed up with their deck, very determined. People drove from, like, way out of their way to get to this and i had the attitude of i knew it was coming uh like a a couple weeks ago and i was like oh i'll get this modern deck together really quickly and just go give it a shot get some points because ptqs have like a really nice multiplier on your planeswalker Mm -hmm. points i want to say it's like times five or times four okay Mm -hmm. so it's just really worth your time to go and competitively i've been playing storm in modern for year and a half something like that or longer or longer Mm-hmm. And I played that at Grand Prix Kansas City. And uh, if I had my druthers, I probably would have played that. But I was finding when I was playing at these like six or eight man modern tournaments that bringing Storm is just a horrible thing. Because what happens is you win one tournament, then the next tournament you go to, suddenly people are main decking at their Sworn <laughs> Canonist, right? Like <laughs> it's just not a very good small tournament thing. So right. I uh, obviously gravitated towards uh, Shaheen Sarani's blue white tap out deck. And I mentioned this, you know, Dustin, like a super trading hero, got three cryptic commands for me at the last minute That's uh, awesome. for, nice. for me to play this deck. So props to mm-hmm. him. You're welcome. Um, and I posted the list on Twitter this last week a- asking for feedback on the sideboard. And I got a ton of great suggestions. You know, it was all great. I basically ran that. And I show up to this event. It's about 40 minutes from my house. And this is a nice big store. It's probably the biggest store in Kansas City. And as soon as I get there, there's a line for the bathroom. Right? (laughs) Curtis, you do know they make alleyways, right? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Very interesting. So uh, I have to admit, when I was in line for the bathroom, I look left, look right, pull up (laughs) YouTube, pull up some Steve Winwood. Oh, God. Put the (laughs) iPhone back in my pocket. Valerie was the song of choice, right? And you're just like, not a superstitious man, but when Steve Winwood works once, we're the second shot, right? It's a free roll. Wow. Wow. Spoken like a true baseball fan. Did it it allow you to get in front of anybody in line? Like, just go, turn it off, just go. (laughs) Right, but I I slid the phone in my jeans because I was worried that someone would judge me, right? Like, why is he watching this weird 80s video? So you put it in your pocket like you're not the one making the noise. (laughs) Right. Yet everybody knows. his greatest hits on my phone, right? Bottom line. Bottom line. So, okay, sit down. I'm playing this blue-white deck, and almost everyone that I talked to was like, man, I don't know about that deck. 
I don't know. It doesn't look like it does much. You should play this. You should play that. Mm. And I had not gotten any testing in, right? Scary. Very scary. So right off the bat, I play against um, tokens and affinity, and I take both of those matches. Mm-hmm. Was it the and event deck tokens? No. It was a full-on <laughs> tokens list. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of these things that, like, while I'm playing the deck, I'm learning it, and I'm learning kind of the nuance of it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's one of the, it's it's one of those things that the, whenever you look at the list, it's like, what does this deck do? Because <laughs> its win condition is Gideon Jura, bro. Right? Like, nice. It does not do a lot. And on paper, you look at it, you're like, I don't know if this would be that good against aggro, but it's fantastic. It does main main deck three mm-hmm. um, supreme verdicts, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times, modern players don't see that coming, and you just wreck them, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Match three, I lose to a version of Scapeshift that is straight, well, not straight green-red, but mostly green-red, like plays Primeval Titans and so forth. Right. And I'm kind of frustrated because that's, on paper, a matchup I should win, right? Right. And I just didn't draw into the counter spells that I needed when I needed them, and that's it. So then they actually call a lunch break. Oh, my God. A tournament with lunch break? I know. That's amazing. It's amazing. Even better, this place is in a walking distance from a sandwich joint, right? Crazy. Wow. Nice. So I take the lunch break, and that's a great thing, unless you lose the round before the lunch break. Sure. Right? Why? Because so, I'm stewing, dude. Do you know me? Like, this is all <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about. I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're not right? thinking about the awesome sandwich you just bought. I, dude, there, as soon as I win a match, a thought about those matches never enters my brain. But when I lose, I will, I mean, I'm thinking about them today, like the things I could have done, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I probably made horrible mistakes when I won, but I don't think about it, right? Anyway, so come back and I realize I have to go like really, really run really well to actually do anything in this tournament. So then I play against blue, black merfolk, take it, this deck and Cameron, this, this will make you happy. This deck just pillages merfolk. Like as soon as I say, like cast Supreme Verdict. Watching the hope drain from their face <laughs> is just the greatest thing. It is. Like, Curse catcher? <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Right, right. And it's, you know, sometimes they'll try and like sack the curse catcher to see if you catch it, right? Like, sure. hey, does this work? No, it does not work. <laughs> I know I know what the card says. Anyway, um, my fifth matchup was against Ad Nauseam. And here's, here's what happened. So game one, he wrecks me because I'm holding like Path to Exile and all these kind of crazy crap while he's going off. Mm-hmm. And um, he was playing a really interesting list where he was playing Temple of Deceit in Modern. Okay. okay. And for Ad Nauseam combo, that's actually really good, right? Because you're just trying to get to Angel's Grace Ad Nauseam. And what happened was, uh, at the end of his turn, I have the win on the board. I have Ether Sworn Cannonist, all this stuff. Or, no, I don't have Ether Sworn Cannonist. I'm hitting him with Snapcaster Mages. And he goes Mystical Teachings into my turn, right? And he's got two cards. So I know he has two pieces of the combo mm-hmm. because he's been holding them forever, right? Okay. So I counter, I, I cryptic command, counter, bouncing his Temple of Deceit. So next turn, he won't have the mana because it has to come into play. Tapped. Right. Nice. And it's just those little touches that this deck does so well. Like, once you get to the late game, you're so well suited. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then I played against Merfolk again. Right? Hmm. Thank you. Right? It's like Cameron yeah. was yeah. there. <laughs> it's yeah, like Cameron it really was. 
Um, and then, you know, at this point, I'm getting a little nervous because if you go X2, you get packs, right? X1 will get you into the top eight. Um, and I'm playing against Kiki Pod. Take mm-hmm. that match, right? Thank you, Tectonic Edge. <laughs> um, nice. And then I'm on, I'm in the winning in, okay? I look at the listings and I'm in seventh place. Unfortunately, I have really terrible tiebreakers, so I cannot draw into top eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in seventh place. I'm in top eight. And it's very disheartening when you sit down to play for top eight, mm-hmm. you realize your tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker is purely based on your opponents that you had in the past. Right. My one loss is to a guy that's already in the top eight, but apparently he didn't dra- like lift me up enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we realize we have to play. We're sitting at the top eight table right at the front. Every single other seat is empty because every single other player knew that they could draw in. Oh. <laughs> so just by l- sheer luck of the draw, it's just me Rough. and this guy. Right. A- and he's playing Tarmo Twin. Uh, I get, or he gets match one. I get match two, or game, he gets game one, I get game two. Then game three goes incredibly long, which should um, favor me. However, yeah. he's hit me with the Tarmogoyf down to one Kay. before I stabilize. I know he's got lightning bolts. I think he might have electrolyzes in the deck. I saw them game one, but you know you might want to side those out against me. Kind of right. juries out. Mm-hmm. And I have a snapcaster and cryptic command mana, so I can snapcaster to go get a cryptic command. Mm-hmm. But that's it, right? Right. And eventually he picks a fight with me because he can play a deceiver X arc and rips a lightning bolt off the top, bolts me. That's it. Oh, that's rough. Right. So. I looked at the final standings and I ended up in 11th place this morning. Last night it was 10th, right. but whatever. I top 16. Mm-hmm. I didn't top eight a PTQ. Right. And a few things. So first of all, I got like 12 prize packs. So that's sweet. I got some points. That's, awesome. Th- that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was one stabilization play away from a box of cards and a play map. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I know, Dustin, you're disappointed. <laughs> the difference between 12 packs exactly. and boosters. You don't see the, like, the single tear running down Dustin's eye right now. It's, <laughs> it's kind of sad. Right, but I feel like I had a good tournament. I, I, I played well, considering I didn't have a ton of practice. There were a few misplays, and those two losses are playing back in my head a lot, a lot, a lot, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but despite that, I still have a ton of issues with this format. Let's play a game, gentlemen. You ready? Okay. Oh, God. I want you to try and name at least three of the decks that were in the top eight. Go. And this is modern, right? This is modern. Affinity. Boom. That was three of them. Okay. Let me do one. Let me do one. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Some sort of pod variant. Malira pod. That's two of them. Ooh. Okay. (laughs) And then obviously it's got to be some sort of uh, Splinter Twin deck, right? Twin variant. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Tarmo Twin, the guy that beat me, who also went on to win the, the PTQ. So congratulations to him. Right. Um, well, but, you, know, least, you know, that that should make you feel good because it's not like you just lost against somebody that lost first round or something, right? And you honestly, against the winner. He's a local guy that I never played against before. Super cool guy. I, very skilled opponent. Totally deserves it. Uh, but we had this awkward moment where we're both sitting there mm-hmm. and we're both admitting that we don't have a ton of experience with modern. Okay. Right. Oh, by the way, the other deck that you guys didn't mention were Scapeshift and Jund. Or, I'm sorry, sure. Green Black, yeah. which is what Jund has become, right? Jund, yeah, yeah. But it's the Dark Covenant, Corsair Crufix, Tarmogoyf deck. Yep. Um, 
And and the thing is, like, bottom line, the format is way, way too linear. I think there's this illusion that whenever you're playing at a shop or on Magic Online, that it's super diverse, that there's so many decks. But whenever you're playing at a competitive level... I think we've been over this on a different different podcast. I think we went over the fact that there's not that many decks. Right, right. And once you actually get to the competitive level, the top tables, guys, there is not a lot of variety. There's creature combo and uh, creature combo and affinity make up seven of these decks. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and almost any modern tournament that you see, affinities always like three or four of the decks in the top eight always. And I, and I just want to make sure that this doesn't come off as sour grapes. Okay. This is not me saying because I mean I did well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the bottom line is. I, as a really inexperienced modern player, did well with a deck that's, quote, on the harder end of the scale, and this is just not even remotely what we would be talking about if we're talking about a legacy tournament, right? Right. And I feel like my mistakes weren't nearly as punished as they would be in a legacy tournament. I feel like a lot of these guys are not nearly as skilled as they would be in a legacy tournament, and that's not to say that modern isn't better than standard, and I understand that people like it because it provides access to an older format. That mm-hmm, they don't, mm-hmm. you know, legacy is super expensive. I get all those things. But I, I just have such an issue with this ban list and the way that they've created this card pool. That, right. I mean, this sucks, man. Three affinities in a top eight, that that is not good enough. And Wizards should look at these lists, and I'm sure all, this, all the PTQs are going to look like this. Mm-hmm. They should look at this and see it as a signal uh, of a problem with their ban list. Well, you got to think, too, that um, when Storm was doing its thing, it was always in the top, right? And then they yanked, like, what, one or two pieces out of Storm and basically crippled it? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they're not doing that with Affinity. Can they ban right. Metalcraft? Can they ban Metalcraft? <laughs> no, they no, cannot I mean, ban no. Metalcraft. <laughs> Honestly, dude, there's just... If, if you're constantly playing this game, like, I'm much more of the unbanned school than the banned school. Right. Sure. But if you're constantly playing this game, it's like it's like whenever you're shaving. Dustin can relate to this because he shaved today. And you're trying to get your sideburns even. Mm. Right? And then you go up a little bit and then up and then up and then up. And you can never get them perfectly even. Right? <laughs> you just got to like hire someone to come to your house and do your sideburns. Right? Right. Right. And so, you know, what you end up doing is shaving your head on accident, right? That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So so what you're saying is you need Blizzard to come and and even them out for you. Oh, dude. No, no. Hearthstone's balance is uh, probably the biggest problem with that game. That's another story. But, dude, I, I I just don't like the format that much. And I'm trying so hard to get there. And I really like this deck. I really do. And I think it's way better than people might think. Right. Um, well, don't don't tell anybody. You just keep playing it and keep winning. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, as long as I dodge Tron, which which is like the one that's you like, like yeah. oh my god, scary. Right. Right. Uh, for me, and you know, Tron's an example of one of these decks that people think is good that's actually not good. Right. <laughs> but okay, they bought so, it. They like it. They can play it at their local one, and they can turn three a Karn, and it's so cool. Um, but whenever you look at these competitive <laughs> events, it's Affinity and Splinter Twin. Right. True. Okay. So let me ask you this: You went to the PTQ. It was how much to get in? 25 bucks. 25 bucks. You got 11th place. What did you get out of 11th place? Uh, 12 packs. Did you open anything awesome? And I'm yes. assuming these were all like <laughs> the newest worried set. about the financial commitment. Of course, right? Absolutely, yeah. Were these all Journey into Nick's packs? Yes. Okay, what did you get? What's the awesomeness? Uh, I got the Green Black Temple, and I got an Ajani, yeah. Foil Johnny or just a Johnny? 
regular Johnny, and then I got a foil red dictate. Ah, okay. Okay. That was already a promo, so eh. But okay. <laughs> it's never good enough for this guy. Never. Right. Right. But honestly, though, I, you know, I, I've shared this frustration with Dustin. I've had a lot of, ru- like, I wouldn't say my states was terrible, but I've had a lot of problems with these bigger events. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was nice to actually perform uh, at a larger event for once, right? And not just be an F&M last boss for once in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, Steve Winwood really did do it for you. That's great. Oh, God. Right. Right. So if you can take any anything away from this, dear listener, uh, get some Steve Winwood on your iPod and just straight crank it. <laughs> right? Let's get out of this yep. segment. Let's come back, talk about some other things. All right, Dustin. So kind of want to pick your brain about some financial stuff. We haven't done this in a while. Right. Um, largely because sometimes you're running behind. Also, I hate your guts. So yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, no, dude. Uh, so conspiracy cards, right? Obviously, we're not grinding conspiracy <laughs> to any meaningful degree. Right. Um, and there's some legacy staples uh, that are getting printed in it. Right. Most notably for me, Stifle. Cameron, are, is there anything in particular you're looking for out of Stifle conspiracy? Stifle is the, the number one. And I'm kind of interested in, in Dash Rendar. Uh, like, I would probably use that and maybe try to experiment with that a little bit. That's about it. Is Suntail Hawk in the set? It's not. Bummer. There was no love. Jeez. Watsy, what are you doing? Yeah. Dustin, how, should I go about getting these now, or should I wait a little bit? What do you think? Well, let, let me start here with Conspiracy. So, Conspiracy was spoiled, like, a long time ago, and people were like, ooh-ah. And then it just kind of, like, went under the rug, right? Mm-hmm. And it's still not being too advertised now that it's released. Uh, typically, when there's a new set, uh, Star City's main page has something on the corner where you can just, like, click straight on it and look at all the new cards out of that set, right? It still right. says Journey to Nyx on there. Um, there's definitely not the hype that we've seen with Modern Masters, any of this stuff. And I don't know if that's just because of the playability of the format, more so than the cards in it, because you'd think people would still want to get the cards, right? I don't know. Right. I got to be honest, dude. Like, just if you were to just anecdotally look at my shop on that Friday and then what I heard what happened on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, it was hugely popular. I mean, it okay. wasn't as big as like a, you know... So it's going great at your local set, shop, but, but it's just yeah, not yeah. advertised yeah, well, well, I guess. Yeah, we'll see what the numbers are like. I mean, Cameron, I, I want to ask you this too. Like, um, were, was your store charging retail price for the packs? Uh, it was $16 to draft, so it was a dollar more than normal, I think. Yeah, I saw yeah. I saw shops locally charge upwards of eighteen dollars for it. Okay, right. Hmm. So I think that might also maybe that shows good demand. I think it also shows maybe some opportunistic dealers. But anyway, yeah. Dustin, you don't know how popular it is. We won't know anyway right. until so, a so couple the, weeks down the, the line. The big basis obviously comes down to how much is getting opened, how fast, so on and so on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Modern Masters got opened extremely fast, and there was a, a big flood of it, and there was a lot of stuff that people just didn't want for a while. Uh, you were telling us before how you got Path to Exiles as throw-ins because there were so many floating around, right? Yes, um, I did. That being said, depending on how quickly these show up in trade books, stuff like Stifle could be something to get into. Uh, Star City's got Stifles from the Conspiracy at 25 now. Uh, they were close to 50 before the reprint, and the original one's back down to 30. Um 
So it could go back up, but if it, we look at, alongside Modern Masters, what it did, it took, what, a year's time, a little over a year's time for this stuff to start going up, where a lot of it just stayed stagnant for a really long time. So um, it's hard to say that cards like that will go up um, because, you know, they're not used in every deck. Right. But at the same time, if you're getting stifles at $25, I think it's still a pretty safe bet. Get into them, right? Yeah, it also doesn't hurt that Stifle is really popular in Delver decks, and Delver decks are just really, really popular right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas Exploration is not a card I'm looking to get into because I will never play lands. Right. You know? Or even something like Misdirection, which was going up in price because it was getting harder to find, but not widely used, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I, it's in Show and Tell and some other random decks here right. and there. Right. And it's, it's never a four of, right? So. Uh, no. How often, or like how long did um, Modern Masters go in print? Did it go through like December or was it a really short print run? Do you know? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I know that. A lot of it was opened, a lot of it was available, and a lot of stores had it on their shelves for a very long time. Yeah. Um, that being said, internet prices on sealed product kept going up as uh, certain cards did get harder to find. Like Once all the Modern Masters Tarmogoyfs disappeared and the Dark Confidants disappeared and stuff like that, it started making the, the sealed pack prices go up. Sure. Right, and that being so, said, probably deterred people from continuously opening or trying to do the drafts because dealers were wanting. What was it, Curtis? It was like twelve dollars a pack on some of the Modern Masters stuff. Yeah, and when we were at States, it was a Modern Masters draft buy-in was how much? One hundred twenty-five. Wow, <laughs> that, that, that that's just ridiculous. I, I don't know why that was. I don't think that's a trend <laughs> as much as it is just being greedy. Fair so, I don't know. Um, but that being said, if people had stuck with, like if retailers had stuck with, um, MSRP on drafts and so on with their modern master stuff, I think it would have sold better. And then they would have printed more because wizards typically prints to meet the demand of what's selling. But if you make the price too high and people aren't buying, then wizards thinks, oh, well, it's just not selling good. I mean, let's be, let's be real here, man. Like modern masters too, they're going to print a lot more of that. Right. They, I, it yeah. just makes too much financial sense not to, um, or to. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, back to the topic, uh, since we've digressed a little bit, yeah, right. um, there is a lot of cards in here that I do think are overpriced. Dak Faden at $50, I think is overpriced. Wait, who's Dak Faden? You know, Dak Faden, the guy that you keep saying is Dash Rendar, but I'm not joining the club. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So moving on, <laughs> um, he might get broken eventually, but I don't think at $50 he's a good investment right now. Um, the, there is three cards that I'm looking at, and there's a possibility for them to go up. I mean, this is no guarantee, but they're interesting at least, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one is Marchesa, the Black Rose. She's one red, one black, one blue, and one colorless for a 3-3 legendary human wizard. She has dethroned. Uh, other creatures you control have dethrone, and whenever a creature you control with a 1-1 counter on it dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So, I think her abilities are just super powerful, right? I mean, everything just keeps coming back, as long as it's got the counters on there. I mean, there's plenty of ways, you know, instants and whatever that can give counters to. Um, she's only at $10 right now, and she's a mythic. 
I definitely think she has room to grow. I mean, I don't know like that she'll ever see any kind of internal play, but Commander, she seems... Right, right. I'm, I'm not saying legacy, this, that, or anything. I'm just saying in the long run, I think she'll go up in value. Okay, fair cool. enough. Okay. No. Um, let's see. The other two... So, did you see Death Render? No. So, it's an artifact equipment. It cost four. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. Whenever equipped creature dies, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield and attach Death Render to it. It has an equip of two. This thing is four bucks right now, right? And especially in, like, Commander or something like that, it's like you throw it on an elf... You can just bolt the elf yourself, and then poof, Emrakul comes out, and you attach this thing to it. It's it's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. It's as good as having uh, what's uh, like a fauna shaman or the elvish piper, elvish piper. any of that there stuff, right? It, it just it's it's so simplistic. And being an artifact, you've got so many ways to get that that speed man out there and just play it. Turn two, mm-hmm. turn three, whatever, right? And well, every commander deck plays Soul Ring, right? So right, this thing is trending at four dollars right now. Probably even less on TCG Player. That to me is a ridiculously cheap price. And, and you think all these are definitely worth it in foils as well? Uh, yeah, the foil of that one right now is eight bucks. And okay, wow, it, yeah. If that thing even jumps up to to ten dollars in uh, non foil, the foil is going to be twenty five thirty dollars just because of the playability amongst casual players. Cool. Uh, let's nice. see one more. So this guy, I'm not too sure on. He's interesting to say the least. Uh, but his name is Grenzo Dungeon Warden. Have you seen this guy? He's the new Goblin. Uh, I'm I'm sure you were drawn to him because you love you some <laughs> goblins. <laughs> All right. So anyway, he's one red, one black, and X. He's a legendary creature, Goblin Rogue. Um, he enters the battlefield with X-1-1 one, one counters on it. He starts as a 2-2. Two, two. He has two colorless. Put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature card with power less than or equal to Grinzo's power, put it onto the battlefield. And while most goblin decks are straight red, this guy, if even if he has no counters on him and you're using this ability and putting the bottom uh, goblin into your graveyard at 2, I mean, most goblins come out teeny tiny anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just an, an engine to have just a lot more goblins flooding the the field. And and again, dude, like, you know, what you're talking about, like, that adds an extra color if you want to do a goblins commander deck, right? Right. And and so, like, that's another real strength of that card, and cards like Goblin Pile Driver work really well with it. Right. Um, I think these are all really good specs, honestly. Well, so yeah. this um, guy is trending at $6. His foil is out of stock already at 15 so apparently somebody else is on this bandwagon already. Dude, if there's one thing that, you know, us spikes look down on commander players for, it's like theme decks, right? <laughs> and you know, there are dudes out there with goblin commander decks. They are ready to rock on this card. Right. So, no, dude, th- those are all fabulous. So, things worth picking up. Um, dude, do you have any other finance things? Like, in terms of the conspiracy stuff, like, what about a foil brainstorm, foil swords to plowshares? So, foil brainstorm, that's a, a good one, actually, because... You don't see too many foil brainstorms that are cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what this thing's going for. The Swords of Plowshares, I'm just kind of, I just don't care, right? It's been um, foiled a couple times it, now. Well, that picture's been foiled in from the Vault 20, which means those cards are going down in price. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of just out there, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the ridiculous thing with 
Star City, <laughs> and I just noticed it. So Brainstorm is $2. It's a common. They have the Conspiracy Foil already at $50 out of stock. Wow. And, yeah. okay, so Mercadian Mask Brainstorm Foils are, you know, maybe 125 130 depending on where you go. The... Um, F and M ones, what are they, Curtis? Like sixties or something like that? No idea. Well, they've been outrageous for a long time because it's the only ways that you could get these in foil, right? So again, mm. this is going to depend on how much conspiracy gets opened. Um, being a common, there should be a lot of foil brainstorms. Um, it's kind of like Delver Secrets. There was a lot of foils when it was in print, just floating around, and it was like four or five bucks. But now they've gone up to like twenty ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, brainstorm should be coming down. $50 is pretty ridiculous unless dealers decide to hoard them and generically make the price stay high, which could happen, right? It could yeah. definitely happen, especially with something like this. Cause anytime a draft happens, it, they're just like anybody with brainstorm foils will give you 20 bucks cash and then poof, there it is. Right. And magic players are degenerate and will immediately <laughs> liquidate it for another draft. Right. Um, anyway, so Kind of moving on with this financial topic, I want to talk about kind of a sad moment for me this week. Um, I lost my fantasy baseball. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) What? I officially uh, started putting out feelers uh, to sell my Magic Online collection. Right. Um, I don't have a massive collection by any stretch, uh, but I just felt like it was time. I wasn't playing constructed on it almost ever. Mm -hmm. And it took me, no kidding... So I use a Macintosh computer, and I have to emulate Windows in order to uh, play Magic Online. And they're shutting off the old client and making everybody use the new client in July. And I had never gotten the new client to work until this last weekend. And it was a ton of extra effort on my part. And I just thought, you know what? Maybe I'll cube draft on this or play Phantom Vintage Masters. Mm -hmm. But there's no way I'm doing this anymore. It's just (laughs) so much effort. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, because of my personal life, I'm able to play physically more um, than I was the previous two years. I'm just, I just decided to put a bullet in Magic Online for me forever. Right. Crazy. So, wow. yeah. Does that make me officially not a spike anymore? No, I don't think so. I think that makes you smart. Um, <laughs> well, put it this way you're getting out of it, right? And you're not losing money, right? Um, and when they fix their products or they get it right and you're ready to go back, go back, right? But there's no point in being forced into an inferior product and just, you know. All right, Dustin. So we're going to try and keep it appropriate, man. <laughs> and camera's going to try and get refocused. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, but you see my point, right? I totally see your point, right. and I appreciate the sentiment, Don't get forced into man. an inferior product, right? Your, your Sh- heart's the, coming from the right place, right. for sure. Show, show them that if they give you an inferior product, you're going to walk away. And, and that's what I'm doing. Uh, speaking of what might be a superior product, we've now been getting preview information for Duel of the Planeswalkers. Mm. And... <sighs> okay, so l- let's do this. Okay, so we take this game called Magic Gathering, that's played worldwide, has all these players, right? And then we're going to take the video game system that has the highest sales in the world for the next-gen system, and we're not going to put it on it, right? Makes sense. Awesome. (laughs) So 
yeah, not to get too far down the video game talk road, but all three of us are a little upset that they've decided not to put it on Sony platforms this time right. around because that's where the three of us played it last time. And frankly, if well, they were to put it on Vita... We- Technically, the three of us have played it since the beginning of Duels of the Planeswalkers. I have every single iteration that they've released on the PSN. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. I've and you actually played so the original on, right? one on your 360. Right. Um, so, you know, Duel of the Planeswalkers holds a special place in my heart because I had left the game uh, at a competitive level for about nine or ten years. I just played casual kitchen table for a long time. And Dustin brought over Duel of the Planeswalkers, and it just, I mean... It, it, it just totally got me back in hook, line and yep. sinker. And, you know, I bought every, you know, re- edition. I usually just do the puzzles. I don't tend to do the campaigns that much, mm-hmm. but you know, I'll be getting this version on iPad because they don't like me enough to put it on the platform. I like to play on, but that's okay. Right. The Kindle, uh, it's on the Kindle. You can get it on the Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, I mean, you and I had talked about actually doing a Twitch stream of it on PlayStation 4. <laughs> yeah, and look, <laughs> they must have found our idea and said, nope, that's not like, going to work. Can't do it. And look, you know, we don't know the inside baseball to this. It might be that, you know, they just didn't have the programming bandwidth to do the new editions. And or Microsoft the paid them enough money to not do it. I think it's more likely that it's a timed Microsoft exclusive uh, you know, they're both companies that are in the Northwest. They, you know, probably interacted and that seems like a good exclusive for Microsoft to get. So I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, but point is we can't play it unless we play it on our iPads, which went, went, right. um, but you can build decks. So that's sweet. Woot. Cameron. That's awesome. Oh, now we, we don't know whether or not this is a hundred percent deck build, right? We can't go from the ground up, right? The way it's worded in the article is they make the card selection seem like a skill tree. So you're not going to open a pack, but you get a win, and then you get to choose different cards to add to your overall collection. Right. Right? So, so it's a step in the right direction. Still not mm-hmm. what I want, though. Yeah, my hope is by duels, what, 2018, it will be a completely full Magic client. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to take a while, but yeah, this is exciting. I mean, the ability to actually build some decks, though, I mean, you kind of had like a baseline to do that in the 2014 edition. Uh, this seems to just take it up another notch. Um, so it makes me hopeful more than anything. I'm excited to do that, but more than more than anything, that they're developing a product that will <clears throat> someday supplant Magic Online. I don't know. Well, if, but. if you look at the Polygon article that I sent you guys, they clearly view this as the thing that's going to compete against Hearthstone, not Magic Online. Right, right. Yeah. And that's referenced a lot, a lot, a lot in the article. First um, paragraph, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, good on them that they're addressing it in some form or fashion. Um, so, so, I like the part in the article more where it talks about how people can go ahead and play Hearthstone and all these other games because when they're ready, they'll come to Magic because it's just a deeper game anyway. Right? Which I'm not arguing with Magic not being a deep game. I'm just saying that it's funny that they're saying... Play everybody else's game, you'll end up here, right? They're acting like they're not scared of Hearthstone at all. Yeah, and I, we could go pretty in depth on the differences, right? Um, they do have a deeper game, however, that's not necessarily something to bank on if you can't present it. Yep. Right. Right. And look, I don't want to come off as trashing Duel of the Planeswalkers because I think it's a very, very, very good product. And they've made huge leaps every year, and they just need to keep on that path. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my my biggest desire for it is to have a draftable set inside of Duels of the Planeswalkers, right? That's what I think would be really great. And they can use something that they've created before. Or, I mean, 
here, here's the thought. What if they made a Duel of the Planeswalkers game that's an expert level game that was legacy decks? Like you just had certain right. pre-made legacy decks that they just put in there, right? And they did that on a yearly basis from like legacy champs or whatever. I would play that game. I would, yeah. S- yeah. So much, right? right. Um, and, and they put moxes and other things in the Duels of Planeswalkers before, but they've never just full-on made like, hey, here's Storm, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, here's hoping it's a good product. Please, guys, make it for every platform possible. It makes it easier to promote your product. Just putting that out there. Um, all right, Cameron, you ready to become a spike? Oh, yeah. So every week, we give Cameron Almost an older card. Week. Almost every week, right? And uh, it's usually an eternal format playable card. We have him evaluate it using his unbelievable card evaluation skills. He's gotten so much better in the last 40 episodes, right? You just see that progress, yeah. and it makes you one proud papa. So, Cameron, what's your card this week? So this week, we have Time Spiral. It costs mm-hmm. four blue, blue. It's a sorcery card, and it has... I will read what's on the card. Remove Time spiral, spiral from the game. Each player shuffles his or her graveyard and hand into his or her library, then draws seven cards. You untap up to six lands. So what's not to like about this card? <laughs> a hand of new cards, six mana to play them, Yes, please. Like that's that's amazing, right? Um, it's kind of. Did we talk about Time Twister? Did I talk about that with somebody else? I can't remember. But uh, it, it's kind of like that card. Only it costs a lot more. But the ability to untap lands is really the key to this. Right. What makes this so it, good? It's like twice the cost of Time Twister, but essentially free. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Cameron, what kind of strategy do you think you'd want to use this card? Uh. It, uh, would it be weird to put in like a storm deck? No, well, that's you're not far off. You're not far okay. off. I mean, it seems really high, but something like that I think would be kind of interesting. I would love to see that in play. All right, Dustin. Hey, if I want one of these cards, how much is that going to set me back before I talk about its actual use? They're about twenty five dollars. They could be going up. They're out of stock on Star City's website. But they've been about twenty five for the last two years. Okay. Yeah, this is a card that, by the way, I found it in a comic shop for three bucks a pop. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a good feeling. Um, so this card is used almost exclusively right now in a deck called High Tide, which we've talked the about the extra tide. card. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. High yeah. Tide, and that is, you know, in some variations, a, a storm deck. Sometimes it's not, but basically, you know, whenever you cast High Tide to make your islands produce multiple uh blue right when you untap you're actually untapping for a lot more mana um this is used in that deck quite a bit to get your storm count up and generate a bunch of extra cards and all those things Mm -hmm. however it's a card that you might not necessarily want to use against a deck that's playing with fluster storm uh or force of will or something like that that can actually uh negatively interact with your combo right Mm-hmm. It is possible that you have a really dead draw of seven new cards, but if you're playing against a non-blue deck, it's actually usually just fine. Um, but yeah, it generates a ton of advantage for you, and it's also the untapping of lands uh, is 
might seem like something, oh, well, it's just kind of for free. Usually you're netting a ton of extra advantage because right. you're untapping maybe utility lands, but usually lands the tap for more mana. Um, right. That, that's the whole point with this, too, is you untap up to six lands. They don't have to be the same lands you use to cast it. Right. And, you know, things like with Candelabra, you can do some really silly things. Hmm. So, ah, there's Time Spiral. So, Dustin, eHarmony is where people can contact you, correct? <laughs> no, sorry. Close my account. They're too late. <laughs> oh, bummer. He gets engaged and it's all over, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you. Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. You can listen to us on MTGCast.com, BrainstormBrewery.com, and SpikeFeed.com. We will check you guys next week. Can we just, can we just like do some duck noises there or something?